Thank you guys for leading us in worship tonight. Um, I'm going to share something really near and dear to my heart. It's been, you know, I've been really walking with God since I was about, uh, of course I was saved when I was really young, but I walked away and then came back to the Lord about 20 years old uh, and started really seeking Him then. And, uh, you know, got my own story and, and, and how God's dealt with me. But a, a huge part of God's message to me, especially when I got into ministry, which was 2001. So I've been in ministry since then, pretty much a year and a half off in, in between uh, time. But um, the message that I received from God, uh, a, a big part of it was this aspect of God the Father fathering and calling his children to him and fathering them. And uh, so that's been a, a significant theme, you know, as in my walk with God and my study of Scripture and everything that I heard and everything that was around me. It's like you hear these messages and it, it, this keeps coming. It just keeps coming. It keeps coming. keeps building. keeps, you know, you're adding this uh, this an understanding of of this is what he's doing, and it's almost as if I, I I realize that I'm living in a time in which God's going to do certain things a certain way, and uh, and so for me it's been years of kind of hearing the same things over and over and over and over and over again, and so it's just coming out of that history that I have with God that that I kind of want to come from that angle tonight in presenting him as father um and so uh um in other words i don't i don't have a i can't like go i'm going to go through some of this scripture tonight obviously i want to be scriptural but um it feels as though this is really occurring you can't hear me do i sound all right y'all okay Maybe it'll it'll get better as we go, maybe. So let me start out tonight in Malachi. Malachi 4, 5, and 6 is a prophecy that I was given years ago to really focus on in my ministry, in my ministry what I did in youth ministry at the time. And he everything he was saying to me was coming through this fathering aspect and this uh, this prophecy in the Old Testament. It's the very last two verses of the Old Testament. Malachi 4, 5, and 6, and it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So this prophecy has a dual nature to it because uh, it's a prophecy that Jesus points to himself when he's on this earth and uh, and had had indicated this has already occurred, and so what we, what he was pointing to, and we find this in Luke chapter one, is that John the Baptist was ministering with the spirit of Elijah upon him, and he in that ministry, which Elijah the spirit of Elijah is a fathering spirit, and I'm not going to get into all the reasons why I would say that, but but it's a fathering spirit. And, uh, and so John the Baptist is out there ministering in, 
in that spirit. And what is he doing? He's, he's proclaiming preparation for the coming king. And so Jesus was saying, that's already done. He said it happened just like he said it, Malachi said it was going to happen because that's John and John was operating in the spirit of Elijah and so that has already occurred. But this verse alludes to before the coming of uh, that great and dreadful day of the Lord. So in other words, you're looking at, and we know, we know Jesus came once, but he's prophesied to come again. And so this verse kind of finds new life as we're approaching what we would believe, you know, and the church has been saying this for 2,000 years, so I don't want to get this wrong again and say he's coming tomorrow, but because uh, we've been wrong about that for quite some time. But, uh, it, but he is coming back. I do believe that. And what it's, this prophecy says, though, again, this spirit of Elijah will precede him. Does that make sense? So it's a spirit, it's a fathering spirit. Now what we know Jesus accomplished on the cross was that Jesus accomplished a scenario in which each one of us can call God Father. That's what, that's the big deal, right? Jesus was near, probably one of the reasons he was put to death is because he made that assertion that God was his Father and that he's, he's opening up a door in which Everybody else can call him Father too if you'll come through that door, which at the time for those Pharisees, that was complete blasphemy. It was out of their framework, absolutely. Somebody needs to die for suggesting stuff like this. Come to find out it's the truth. It's really true. So we're taking a look at this dual prophecy, and as we're kind of seeing the signs or every sign we can come up with that there is a returning Christ at some point, then we should be looking for this fathering spirit as well. This preparation, preparatory spirit, which is, hey, the Father is coming home. And when the Father comes home, the Father begins to put things in order. Because that's what a good Father does, right? He didn't just let things go willy-nilly. He didn't let things just go however they're going to go. He didn't let just anybody walk into his home and do what they want there. No, he's got a plan. He's got an ideal He's, he's, he's there. He's got standards. He's going to protect. He's going to uh, do all of those things. So what's a good, strong father does, right? And we kind of have an idea of that anyway. A good, strong father, it's not toxic masculinity. Like, you know, we know that's a real thing. There is such a thing as toxic masculinity. Doesn't mean it's all toxic, though. There is a version of masculinity and fatherhood that is the most beautiful thing we could possibly imagine. Anybody who's in trouble would like someone to come rescue them out of that trouble with strength, with power, and say, that's mine, get off of it, or else. That's the type of a father's heart that we're talking about, okay? So, that's what we have to look forward to, because we could use some help at this point, couldn't we? Has a it's not all great because the Father does have his ways, and he's going to have it his way. And when he comes, he will have it his way, one way or the other. Now, one of the things we're dealing with, I think, at this point, is all of us seem to have this religious concept of God the Father, like, because I 
counsel, you know, everybody that I counsel or basically anybody I've counseled in the South since I started counseling people, all of us have this idea of, oh, God the Father. Well, he's going to take me out then. That's all I know. You know, we have this woodshed mentality. He'll take you out to the woodshed and all this stuff. We kind of, it's really ridiculous uh, if if you think about it. Uh, God the Father is not the way we think that he is exactly. And so a lot of the cross and a lot of our own healing and a lot of our own salvation being worked out in sanctification is getting a new look at this, understanding that, okay, what is the Father like? Well, Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the exact representation. That is what he's like, exactly Now, that doesn't mean Jesus is a pushover. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have standards either. It doesn't mean that he's not going to show up and be strong and call us to repentance and transformation and accountability and other things like that. But what God the Father does do is he he draws us into uh, a relationship in which he gets real with us. And because he's real with us, we get real. And we get real with one another, and we start working the household as Jesus and as the Father would want it to be worked, okay? And that's good and bad news, because the bad news, we can't do what we want to do anymore. We can't have it our way. We can't have our cake and eat it too, you know? We can't get upset at church and take our ball and go home, right? Because that's what we've been doing the whole time I've been in church. That's what we do. I mean... Some of us have been at members of four different Baptist churches in one city. Am I right or am I right? Or am I right? I'm right. See, so we've been doing things that aren't exactly according to plan, and that's because the Father's presence has been not quite present, not in operational form, okay? Okay, so in other words, there was a time before John the Baptist was out in the wilderness crying out and saying, prepare. The time before that, the Spirit of God wasn't moving on the earth like it did when he began to announce that, right? See, there's seasons and there's times. And God shows up in seasons and times. And it seems like my entire life, the last 20 years of it in ministry, has been awaiting this time where the Father begins to show up and announce His presence and begin to do things differently. Does that make sense? So I think we can expect that. And I'm not announcing it right now. I'm not John the Baptist. I'm not a prophet. I'm not making cutting myself out being anything special. I'm just saying that as far as I can tell in my walk with God, we're living in a dispensation of time in which we're going to see God move differently than he has in the prior years that we've known him in this church age. Uh, I believe we're on the cusp of the Father coming home. And again, that's good and bad news. That means we're going to do it his way. Okay? Uh, But there's some things going on right now around us in the Southern Baptist Convention, across the land, across the world, where we're beginning to see the signs. The Father is coming. And what what does the Father do when he shows up on planet Earth? Who does he deal with first? He deals with his own first. 
He deals with his house. And who does he deal with first in the house? Me. Leadership. Now this is where the fear of the Lord starts coming. Because I'm here to tell you I got some problems. Have had them my whole life. And it's not about God being an awful judge who's just going to let you have it. But what it is, is he's saying, look, I provided the cross. I provided my spirit. I provided my ways. Walk in them. I'm merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But there's ways to receive it. There's ways to get into healthy relationship. There's ways to realize that you might change churches, but you didn't change fathers. And if he, if you change a church, just know wherever the father left off on you, he's going to start back right there where you left off. Because you got the same humans there as they were from where you came from. Now, I'm not saying there's not a time to leave a church, okay? Don't hear that. I'm not saying that. I'm not getting in. It's not, not the message tonight. I'm just saying, would you guys agree that we've kind of been operating in our own way, however we want to do it, without an understanding that when the Father shows up, He'll follow you. So we might as well just say, if I'm yours, I'm yours. I, I, let's just do it your way because... It's the way. And that's good news. Because the things that are bothering us are from an enemy who wants to steal and destroy all that we have. And he's the one that removes that enemy out of us. Now that's good news. But we all need to understand we've got an Achilles heel. There's not a single person in this room without it. And we all need the mercy of God. And we're even Stephen when it comes to that. So we should be able to lovingly help one another through our struggles so that we hear the Father, so that we're set free, so that the cross matters. It means something other than when I die, I go to heaven. And it does mean that, according to the Bible. It means a whole lot more than that, though. And that's what we need, the cross to work for transformation. Because the world needs to see a representation. And uh, so we all just stand at, at God's mercy in that. That's a long intro. Um, see how much time I got. Might have to race through this. So let me, let me I, this isn't a polished message at all, okay? I just, you know, got getting ready for this just yesterday and, and today, so you'll have to forgive that. But um, I wanted to say in that dual prophecy, and, and as Jesus was, as Jesus showed us in his life, uh, he references his father 150 times in the Gospels. That's a lot, okay? When you're talking about what's written in red and what was actually things that came out of his mouth, 150 references is a lot of references, it's a big deal, especially if you read the book of John. Jesus is presenting his father, and he's wanting the world to know he's worth it all. And he proved it by what he went through. 
I mean, Jesus had to have a severe revelation of the Father to go through the severity of what his human body suffered, right? I mean, he had to have it, and he did have it. And that's what I'd like to say, that Jesus paints a very clear picture to us that God the Father is worth it. So when he comes, it is incredibly good news because if we get to see him the way that Jesus knows him, it's a game changer. I mean, Jesus was obedient always. And I think there's a way to see the Father. In other words, God could overwhelm any of us at any time with his power, with his glory, and with all that he is. And, and it, would be to, it would be to the place that we're not even having choice, you know. If, if somebody as powerful as God were to show up and present himself as he is, it, it just is, yes, you know. So he's always holding a not a bit of himself, a mass majority of himself away from us so that we have choice in this. So it's actually this and this, and I just, I'm going this direction. But as we go this direction in this end time, I believe we're going to get a picture of the Father that is in alignment with the, that, that Jesus had so that we would be prepared to do whatever because you're gonna, we're going to need that, I believe. I believe we're going to need that incentive. And so, in other words, there's a view, there's a look at at Father that is so overwhelming that you would be obedient. I mean, if there was a decision between going with this guy or going over here, hey, this, I'm going with you, Father. You are magnificent and your love is so great and you're so good there in, in the pain and pleasure balance. You are nothing but God Almighty. I just want to worship you. I want to know you. I want to go with you. I want to obey you. I want to live for you. That's the heart of Christ. And I believe that's something we have to look forward to in knowing him that way. But Jesus really did present this relationship of him and the Father. John seventeen twenty four explains that even before there was time him and the Father were in this loving relationship that they've had. Uh, and it's again, it's outside of time. Always has been. An eternal, loving relationship that's on an order and a level that we, we just can't imagine. But what Jesus is saying to us is, I'm calling you into that. What I'm about to do on this cross is calling us all into that very same thing that I've had with him. So I think that we have that to look forward to as well. Jesus modeled... Uh, how to address God. In Matthew 6, 9, he tells us, address him as Father, our Father who art in heaven. So what I want to get into to our minds tonight is the mindset of God fathering. God fathering us. And I want to say this more than once So uh, tonight, so let me go ahead and present this to you. Have you ever asked God to father you? I mean, on purpose, Come before him and say, God, I see you in Scripture. You fathered Jesus, and you're a father. And I just want to ask you to father me. I want to begin to see you in my day-to-day life fathering me. And we're going to talk about what that would look like. But it's a mindset. It's a new look at God where God is father. Uh, and, and I'm going to make, hopefully shape that up where that makes means something to you. Uh, Fatherhood comes from God. It doesn't come from humans, okay? It pre-existed us. God the Father pre-existed this creation. We mimic it because we see it and we respond to it. 
uh, when he called Abraham, he called him as a father. And he's basically saying, I'm this way, now be that way. Okay, that's what he calls us into. Uh, but, but I want to get that in, in your heart and in your mind, that, that fathering aspect of God. Uh, the role of father. We know the Trinity is uh, equal in essence, but, but different in function. Okay? Um, and so each of the Godhead has a little different function, although they're the same. And we kind of go cross-eyed when we're thinking about this type of thing because he's, he's above our ability to understand. But, uh, but Father has a role. He's a, he's a life giver. Father is basically a giver. He gives. Okay, the John 3.16 is, is he, loved, uh, he loved the world so much that he gave what? The most precious thing he had. His, his very own son he gave. See, he's a giver. Father is a being of resource. I think we could all agree with that. So once you get hooked up with father as giver and you become a receiver, see, many of us aren't receiving right now because we don't think we're worthy. Right? We're, I'm telling you, I counsel a lot of people and I know myself. We don't feel worthy to receive. And yet God's give, give, give. Now, the deal is that God, we would receive from the Father His resources, His, his uh, resources, His wisdom and his, his power. Wisdom and power is what it shows up like. And then we would stand up in Christ's dominion. See, that's the firstborn. And we get into Christ. We become like Christ because of the Father's plan that was worked out. And that's how that, uh, and then the flow of life in us is that Holy Spirit. See, they're all, they're all working. But Father is the one that's kind of outside of us is one way of saying it. You know, the metaphor of, the, of John 15 and, and uh, the, the vine and the branches. Jesus is uh, the vine and we're the branches grafted in. The Father's the gardener. He's like out here breathing on us and singing over us and tending to us. And he's, he's a hands-on initiator. He comes to parts of the vine and says, I, I got to work on this right here. He clips, he, he, he does what he does, but it's a, it's a loving thing that he's doing. He's, he seems to be outside of us at work. So what I'm wanting to give the picture of is the father as the gardener. He's come home and he's present and now he's doing things on purpose. Okay, he's initiating because it's his home. They're his kids. He's a loving God, Father. He knows who they are. He knows what's in each one of us, and he's actively bringing it out, right? That's what we want to see. That's what we got to get into the mindset of. Um, Father is the authority. He's the powerful protector. He's, he, he fathers. In other words, we get this idea of uh, a mentor, a model, a teacher, a trainer, a discipler. He's a developer, the father is. And see, so what that is, is he's raising up a family, and he's a perfect father. See, we, we're broken fathers, like we do our best. He's a perfect father. He knows exactly what to do. He knows how to get you in between a rock and a hard place to where there's really just one decision, and it's him. And he's done that to me so many times. And continues to do that. And I thank him for it. Because if he didn't, I have no telling which direction I'd run. And many times I see the fact that God is so real. He's got me stuck here. And so he's made it real simple. It's this way. I just have to have the courage to do it now. This way. 
He's present. He, he does that. That's good. That's a father. Romans 8, 29 and 30, and I'm really running, uh, I'm trying to get the heat of the, the meat of this out. Uh, Romans 28, or Romans 8, 29 and 30 gives you five things. This is the activity of a father. And if you know that verse, it's, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but just to refresh your memory on that. This is, and we all, uh, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. See that father? Image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, this is a father who sent Jesus to get the family back. And now that he's got them back, he's going to conform them into the likeness of the firstborn. And see, that's a process. So all that verse right there, uh, predestined, justified, glorified. See that process? That's a father at work. He's doing his thing. Uh, The father takes the lead in that. When he comes home, he begins to set these things in order. 2 Corinthians is another really good one. Uh, Let me find it real quick. I got it. Mark, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Uh, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. See See that voice of the Father calling us out. We are to be different, and as we are walking with Him, we will be different. See, that's why He has His way with us when He shows up. We will be different. That's something he's going to work with mercifully. So let me look at this real quick. God is a father in history. This is one of the things that really lights me up. And apologetically to me, this is the greatest statement in, uh, that, that says God is real to me in history outside of this Bible. Now, some of it's within the Bible, we find it. But some of it, I mean, when I can find stuff outside of the Bible that just human, atheistic human culture will say happened and agree, yeah, that's this and that's something. Now, a lot of the Bible, they'll say David didn't exist and Jesus wasn't real and they'll come up with all kinds of things like that. But there's other things they can't just erase, like the nation of Israel. I mean, where did they come from? They just spring up out of a hole in 200 A.D. or something? No. See, we we know that we're talking about an unusual bunch of folks here who, in the story of God, it only makes sense that they are the way they are because the Bible tells us how they got that way. And how did they get that way any other way? It doesn't make any sense to me. So to me, it's the most powerful apologetic resource we have is to see the people that God has dealt with in history that were his that we sprang out of okay because there's some very unique things here that are very interesting to me and always every time I want to try to decide oh this isn't real y'all ever do that this isn't real I'm just been what am I you know here I'm about to give my life for all this I'm being too real with you guys aren't you Do all of us have times of doubt where we go, let's just be real about that. When I get into those states, I get back to the Bible and I look at human history and there's things that start to come out. Because I'll do this every time. I'll say, God, is this even real? 
And then like the next day and the day after, he'll start pouring out reasons why this is real. I was like, oh, sorry. I forgot there for a moment. But this is one of those, okay? The fact that God took a people and made them different than everybody else, okay? He starts with Abraham. He says, I'm going to make a unique people out of you. 430 years uh, in the future, he meets this guy named Moses at this burning bush. And although I'm not getting into all the, I've got a lot of other stuff I wanted to share, but I'm on page two at this point, and we're not going to make it. I got three minutes here. So what we find out is that uh, he encounters Moses and then gives Moses the download of all downloads, the Torah. Moses gets Torah, which is life. And he says, I'm going to have a peculiar people, inculcate it, this into them. He gives them the owner's manual for humanity is what he gives them. And they're big on education. Y'all know what education means? It means to draw out of. So what God knew he had in a human being is an image bearer. And he said, here, do it this way. Let me teach you how to run your family, how to run your society, how to run your life. Here's the principles involved. Here you get the, the, you get the owner's manual. He scared them to death on the mountain with the fire and all that stuff and then inculcated this information into them. Although one generation didn't make it out, one generation that came up did. And he inculcated himself into a people. Now, here's what I say about that. Because the, the Jewish nation is a different nation. And what they've done through human history, maybe y'all didn't know some of this stuff, but God being superior in and through them is still being revealed today. But just look at Jews in history. Abraham. Millions and millions and millions of people call him father. Three different major world religions call him father. Why? Except that it happened the way the Bible says that it happened. It's the only way possible. I know how humans are. We don't just give our lives to some person unless something was there. There was something there. The Abraham. Moses. Moses gives us a Torah and the Ten Commandments. Western civilization is built on those things. West, the entirety of Western civilization came to this, from this guy named Moses. He's a Jew. Jesus. I mean, I'm not even going to say anything. Jesus, he's a Jew. Has he shaped world history? The Apostle Paul and his writings put a depth charge underneath the ancient Roman world, and it collapsed because of this one man's letters that circulated around. It's just mind-blowing. And again, Western civilization springs up out of that with its moral fiber that comes from the New Testament in the writings of the Apostle Paul. Paul was a Jew. Okay, they're all coming out of this same bunch of people that God set apart and said, I'm your father, and because I'm your father and I know how to father, I'm going to press on you so powerfully that you'll be different for generations to come. And so world history clearly says there is a father out there somewhere that when he gets involved, people are transformed. They do things that are above and beyond anything else, anybody else. Here's some things uh, about the Jews, and I'm, I've got to finish up here. To me, the most baffling of all prophecies coming true is the nation of Israel being reborn in 1948. 
you got to think about this. In AD 70, 70, 1800 and some years in the past, the temple, second temple was destroyed. The diaspora began. In other words, the Jews were removed from their land and they spread out all over the world. 1800 years later, they have enough uniqueness still within their blood spread out all over the world to decide they have their own land and they want it and to show back up, fight and win it and reestablish themselves as a unique people. That is unfathomable. I mean, you have to think about, I mean, we have Indians and all kind of Ch- Chinese, all kinds of people who come to this nation. It's called the melting pot, right? And they can look Chinese, but do they keep their absolute ways for 1,800 years? How many generations is that? The progression is that you lose what makes you unique. Does that make sense? Not that you gain it to the degree that you throw everything you've built for with all your forefathers and go back to some land you don't even know about. But that happened. It's a miracle. I don't think we understand. We don't give it enough. Uh, It's amazing. This has to be something supernatural. Then going on from there. That's that's the biggest one for me that, that really kicks it for me. And look at some of the uniquenesses, and then we're going to call it a night. Looking at the impact the Jews had on history, uh, the size of the country. Y'all ever tried to find the, the Israel on, in a globe? You better get your glasses on because it's going to be hard to find. You can't put your finger on it and cover the whole thing. Teeny tiny little place on the backside of nowhere. Jews make up. of the world population, not 2%, 0.2%, okay, just to give you an idea of what we're dealing with here. And yet, here's a couple quotes I found about them. Why are the Jews, a relatively small population, specialized in the most skilled and economically profitable occupations? Why is that? They are a comparatively small population of economically successful and intellectually prominent individuals. Well, it makes sense to me. God's pretty smart. And he made a big deal about education with them. So their entire system, way of living is around principles that work, principles that make a difference. They've lived by them and stuck by them. Okay, but here's another one. Vanity Fair gave out a list of the 100 most, uh, 100 most powerful people in the world, and 51 of them are Jewish. 51 out of 100. 0.2 population world. Does that compute? That doesn't make any sense. 10 of the 50 people in this year's Forbes annual list of billionaires are Jewish. 10 out of 50. They are unique. 802 Nobel Prizes given out so far in history. 162 of them are Jewish, were given to Jews. Albert Einstein, for crying out loud, changed science in ways we can't even fathom. These are all Jewish people. I just look at all that. They supposedly have an IQ that's 15 points higher than all other nationalities. I just look at things like that and I go, 
When God the Father gets involved, some things happen that are out of the ordinary. Now, here's the good news for us. We have a Father, and He's about to get involved. And He's going to impress Himself on humanity once again. We're going to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to do things that don't make sense, except that God is involved. That is human history. That is Christianity throughout the ages. Be encouraged because God the Father is coming home. He knows your identity and he knows how to get it out of you. He knows how to run a household. And if you're a part of that household, it's going to be run well. All we do is begin to obey. We surrender and obey. When he shows up, we say, yes, sir. Here I am. Not going to run. You'll just chase me down if I run, so I'm just not going to run. Right? Man, it's, it's pretty awesome. So let's pray. Father, we just bless you. As our musicians, you guys come on up. We bless you. We thank you that you're Father. We thank you that you are a merciful Father. God, you are merciful. You're not here to hurt us. You're not here to harm us. You're here to be merciful to us, Lord. You're here to initiate what you know is inside of us. And you're here to teach us how to get along properly. You're you're here to bring peace to your house. You're here to do your work in a beautiful way. And we just say, come, Father, come. In fact, if you just would hear, hear me saying this, say yourself, come, Father, just come. Come, we need you to come. We need you to show us the way. We need you to teach us how to do this. We need you to help us. No, we're so valued that it doesn't matter what our problems are. We can share them. We can step into healing. We can step into your ways. We can step into you loving on us and holding us and telling us that we are far greater than we knew we were because of the cross. So, Father, would you come and do Romans 8, 28, 29, and 30 in us, in your house. We welcome you, Father. And we worship you, Father. So move in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I tell you what, do we have uh, anybody who wants special prayer tonight? Anybody? 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 I tell you what, would somebody sit in for Sandra? Miss Ruth, will you do that? So come on down. We're going to do that before we're done. We'll, we'll, we'll have a little time of invitation and then we'll... We'll end with uh, praying for Miss Sandra. Uh, so if you guys will stand, we'll have a time of invitation.
our deacons would come and anybody else that wants to go to got some people down here want to just agree we want to do as the father uh, told us to do and believe that the father will release all his promises in miss sandra's heart and life and in kyle and in the situation are you guys believing tonight man he can come speak to them so loud and clear that changes everything and that's what we want. We want their physical body to be touched because of the Spirit of God's voice. So, uh, Father, we just come in alignment underneath the Lordship of Christ Jesus. As, as Mithruth sits in for Miss Sandra, we anoint her with the uh, oil representing your Spirit. And, Father, we just stand on the Word of the Lord. Father, you have a voice. And you have spoken throughout human history. And, Lord, you've left us with your promises, your logos. Father, we ask you to speak specifically the word of the Lord to Miss Sandra's heart and to Kyle's heart. We ask you, Father, that in the torment that the enemy would like to bring to their thoughts and their emotions, break in and save, Father. Break in and speak the word of the Lord over Sandra's heart. May she hear your voice, Lord. You're, you have the voice of life. And we release the voice of life into Sandra's heart right now that she would hear exactly from an intimate father who knows exactly about her life and what you have for her, Lord, that you would speak it, Father, that the voice of the Lord would come, that, that her ears be, be open, that her eyes be open to your light, that you would expose the work of the enemy, and that you would bring your work, Father, because she's yours. And we proclaim that. We believe that. We stand in that tonight, Father. We come against the enemy who would torment, and he will cease and desist in Jesus' name because our Father's greater and because your spirit is present and at work. So, Father, we do ask you initiate her and Kyle and lead them into some beautiful things. Father, do the work of Romans 8. Turn this around on the enemy. Bring yourself glory and bring your child salvation and healing. And we release that upon her tonight. We thank you, Father, that we get to operate in agreement with you and see the world changed. So, Father, change the world tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, you know, a lot of those Jews that I mentioned aren't walking with God. So I don't want you all to get the, the wrong idea. God is an incredibly good father. And Scripture says in Joel that he's going to pour out his spirit on everybody, right? He has, he has revelation. He wants to give the planet to bless it. And I don't think he can help himself. I think he'll give it to this guy over here. If it'll bless some people, he'll hand it over. That's just been my take on it. But what I, had to, what I mean by that is that they have a way of living that came from God that they inculcated into their culture that has set them apart. That's what I believe. And that's what I think is obvious. And so just know we have, it's the same father, the same father. He's ready to do a new thing today. And he's going to. So be looking for it. Ask God to father you. 
be looking for him to initiate you. I didn't get to get into some of that stuff I wanted to share. I didn't really get you notes and what's the best part. Anyway, he's initiating you, so be looking for him. God bless you guys. We'll see you uh, Sunday.